If you're a fan of the Recruiting Future podcast, then you will absolutely love our newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast. Not only does it give you the inside track on what's coming up on the show, you can also find everything from book recommendations to insightful episodes from the archives and first access to new content that helps you to understand where our industry is heading. Sign up now and also get instant access to the recording of my recent webinar on the future of talent acquisition. Just go to recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. That's recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 552 of the Recruiting Future podcast. If you've been listening to the recent episodes of the show, you'll have noticed the considerable amount of innovation that's currently happening in high-volume hiring. Driven by skill shortages and automation technology, high-volume is the area that gives us an insight into what the future might be like for talent acquisition. In episodes 551 and 552, I'm diving deeper into automation and AI in high-volume hiring by speaking to technology CEOs with products that are helping to shape the future. My second guest in this mini-series is Max Armbruster, CEO at TalkPush. Max does extensive work around high-volume hiring in Latin America and Asia, Technology is driving innovation for different reasons in these markets than it is in the US and Europe. And Max has some deep insights into how hiring is developing and where things are heading. Hi, Max, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Well, I'm the founder and CEO of TalkPush, and TalkPush is a recruitment automation platform uh, which is used in high-volume recruitment in industries such as retail, call centers, healthcare, any sort of industry where you hire a lot of the same people every day, every week. Tell us about the the talent market at the moment. I mean, I suppose particularly for sort of high volumes, there's been a, a lot about, um, you know, shortages since the pandemic and how difficult high volume recruitment now is. What are you, what are you seeing in the market with the companies that you work with? Uh, well, the headline that you share may be absolutely true for Europe and the US, uh, but there are many markets outside of uh, those key, you know, economic powerhouses where there's still a very high rate of unemployment and there's still a lot of youth unemployment and people who are just eager and hungry to to work. And uh, so I think the dynamics are a little bit different if you go to a place like India or Brazil or, you know, uh, the Philippines than, than you would in, in these places. Um, but, um, you know, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, the uh, automation is still a very hot topic. Uh, it's just it's automation with the idea of let's expand the town pool let's make it a better candidate experience uh, let's reduce the number of recruiters as opposed to automation which is uh, maybe in the US and um, and in Europe it, it's more like we, we have such we have such a, a, a small shallow town pool to work with 
because there's just not enough candidates that we have to convert them immediately within 24 hours. Uh, so, you know, these are some of the, <laughs> the cultural differences. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, what I could say is uh, for all the talk of recession, ups and downs and all that, basically growth in the high volume automation uh, market has has continued year over year. There really hasn't been a blip. So what markets do you work with specifically? We're focused on uh, Latin America and Asia as our primary markets. We, we also have customers in the US and, and Europe, but that's, uh, that's not been our focus. And, uh, you know, we, that's not where we hire people. So we, we've, we have a, a globally distributed team and they, uh, they're closer to our customers. And most of them are in places like Mexico and Colombia and the Philippines. There's been a huge amount of talk for lots of years about, you know, emerging markets, future economic powerhouses. I've noted recently that there is lots of lots of narrative about, you know, aging populations in in, in Europe and the uh, and the US and other other countries kind of economies coming to the fore. What does that look like post pandemic? What, what countries are emerging now? How do you see that sort of that global landscape? I, um, I'd say that um, good year, bad year, it's kind of what I said about the economy uh, being good or bad. Some trends never, never seem to slow down. Uh, one of these trends is, is uh, offshoring, uh, which is sending work that's in the service economy, such as call centers typically, but also IT and, and increasingly other areas like healthcare. That, that continues to go. You know, that's that's uh, always always happening. And, and so that's been, that's been the main driver for growth for a company, uh, an economy like, like the Philippines uh, and, you know, a, a big driver for India, for example, also pretty big in Latin America. So that's a mega trend. One mega trend that never stops is the fact that emerging markets uh, are emerging, <laughs> meaning the, uh, the purchasing power is increasing, uh, the domestic economies are growing, and within 20, 30 years, economies that were considered an afterthought uh, will become bigger than some of the big established uh, European and, and economies. Uh, I think I think like in 30 years time, Mexico is uh, going to be a big, bigger economy than, than the UK, for example. Yeah. And I, I suppose that makes perfect sense. Because if we if we look at the broader context of history over hundreds and thousands of years, that's always happened. It's nothing. It's, it's kind of nothing new, is it? And there's a uh, there's a sort of race to the middle where, um, you know, once you've, uh, I think it's in human nature when, if you're in the bottom half to seek to reach the bo- the top half. <laughs> and, and so I think that there's just, a, a you know, a hunger for prosperity, uh, which is more acute in places that is, uh, that, that is running behind. Uh, and so, uh, you find that, um, uh, the, you don't hear things like nobody wants to work in retail <laughs> in, in a lot of the economies we operate in. Uh, so I think that's, uh, that's exciting. Uh, from, from a technology standpoint, these are still very small markets today. You know, if you look at you know, all the markets I just mentioned, like Colombia, Mexico, and Philippines, if you look at them from a GDP standpoint compared to, to uh, you know, so, some of the European markets, they're, they're very small. They're, they're almost... Uh, in, laughably small uh but but all the economists agree that in 20 years time it'll be a different story so to to kind of focus in on some of the things that you were 
saying about high volume hiring in in that market. Um, it, it's really interesting because it, it, over the last um, couple of months, I've had quite a lot of content around innovation in high volume hiring in the UK and the US. You mentioned that something similar is happening, but for different reasons um, in, in those markets. Talk us through what innovation looks like, what's driving it, you know, how how is high volume recruiting, the intersection between high volume recruiting and technology working in those markets? I'd like to answer your question by breaking down the, the cost per hire as perhaps uh, the biggest driver for any technology inv- investment and any discussion on automation. Uh, there are two elements on the cost per hire is the internal cost and the external cost. The external is like marketing, advertising, internal is headcount. And typically the internal headcount cost is, is the highest element of the two. And, uh, and uh, I think that's, uh, uh, that's been true in both markets, emerging and developed. Uh, but I think that um, uh, the, the, the technology um, that, that is becoming cheap enough, meaning AI is becoming accessible and affordable enough where we can actually drive really good automation and, and start to take on the internal cost per hire even in emerging markets, even in markets where the price sensitivity is, is higher. And, you know, for, for most of these markets, uh, the cost of employing one of the vendors are exorbitant. You know, it's, it's ridiculous to spend $50, $100 per hire on technology when that's your total cost per hire. <laughs> so, you know, you might as well, you know, it's always like a, a battle between should I, should I hire, should I buy some technology or should I hire another recruiter? And, and in emerging markets, well, the battle has te- typically been, I'm going to hire another recruiter. But I think the balance is shifting uh, because of, of uh, innovations, uh, you know, a lot of the cloud um, movement and innovation on LLMs and ChatGPT. It's making it affordable to use AI, even in markets where your, your manpower cost is much lower. What differences are there or considerations are there in terms of um, things like candidate experience? Because you, 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 know, you mentioned that one of the drivers in the US and Europe is around speed because people need to hire people very quickly um, and in a, in, a, in a way with a good candidate experience. What's the, what, what, you know, what's the, what, what are you seeing in those, those markets? I thank you for the question. I I love talking about uh, the cultural insensitivity of global vendors, um, or rather talk about how you need to customize and localize your approach to each individual market. Uh, so the um, one thing that I think is a bit arrogant uh, from some vendors is is that they they think that everywhere in the world job seekers they want to go to a career website and read a bunch of content about what life is at company XYZ. And in high volume recruitment, that kind of fails to empathize with the feeling of the job seeker who is applying for 10, 20 jobs that day and does not really want to hear a marketing spiel. They just want to get on with it, get pre-screen. And the only question that they really have is, do you have a job for me? So um, I think that there's a there's a directness uh 
you know, you need to, to give them a direct answer to a direct question as fast as possible. Uh, and sometimes that's lost on vendors that are really heavy on marketing and messaging and a little bit lower on tech and automation. Um, then another big difference is the way people communicate. Uh, so the, the, the favorite communication channel, for example, in India is email, uh, uh, followed by actually phone calls, voice phone calls. Uh, the favorite communication channels in most of the world is is WhatsApp, uh, which is almost not used at all in the U.S. or in, in Australia because these are markets where uh, the iPhone is dominant. And so iMessage is, is, is you know, has overpowered WhatsApp. Um, and and uh, then there are markets like the Philippines where it's uh, Facebook Messenger. In Japan, it's Line Messenger. And so if you're in recruitment and you consider your main job is I need to talk to candidates, uh, activating the main channel where you talk to candidates seems pretty obvious, <laughs> like a, a you know, most important step that, that uh, employers should take. And that's, um, that's lost on, on, a, on a lot of uh, uh, technology platforms today. So I'm, I'm happy to fill that gap with, with TalkBush. <laughs> <laughs> A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www dot w o n o l o dot com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers i suppose for companies u.s australian european based companies who are um you know looking to hire in these markets they're either setting up operations or they're they're off they're offshoring what would your advice be to them about hiring remotely? What do they need to keep in mind? How do they need to be set up? I'd say first, uh, you have to enable your sourcing team with uh, with a local toolkit. You know, coming in with your standard CRM, your standard ATS may not work locally for some of the reasons I, I previously mentioned. Um, I'd say that employer branding is is best carried by your local ambassadors. And you can make use of uh, tools like Facebook, social media, to empower and enable your local teams to tell a local story. Because no matter how powerful and ubiquitous your (laughs) employer brand message is, it'll be even more powerful if it's localized. Uh, I, I like to mention the example of McDonald's as as a worldwide uh, champion in, in localization, uh, because McDonald's is perceived by everyone as this is the brand that knows how to do standardization and where you can get 
you know, a Big Mac, wherever you go in the world, it tastes the same. It looks the same. McDonald's actually has a very good localization um, technique and they have, uh, they sell uh, Mac paneers in India, Mac spaghetti uh, with ketchup in in the Philippines and Mac moletes, uh, which is a Mexican breakfast in in Mexico. Uh, And, and, uh, and so even if, if, if a brand like this, which is known for standardization, chooses to localize, that tells you something about how to do effective marketing. I think that's missing for, for a lot of uh, international global operation who, uh, because of their drive to, to standardize in order to control a good, you know, it comes from a good intention. It's the intention is I want to have a, uh, I want to control the candidate experience to make sure nobody gets left behind, everybody's taken care of. Uh, but it, it can have an adverse effect where this control actually makes them lose an edge, lose a step against local, more localized marketing strategies. You mentioned AI there. And I, I think what's interesting about what you were saying is the, um, the almost the democratization of access to it. And uh, again, I had a lot of conversations re- recently about how AI is working in that respect and how it can be, um, you know, how vendors can, um, y- you know, use it, train it, personalize it, all that, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's pretty clear that um, we're in for, um, you know, quite some revolution in recruitment that's going to be driven by AI. Well, revolution everywhere, but we're obviously talking about recruiting. Um, what do you see happening? What do you think the potential is for AI to, you know, change and evolve the way that the way that we recruit? And obviously, that's already already happening, you know, to a certain extent in the the area that you work in. But you know, tell us more. What do you think is going to happen in the future? Uh, well, i i don't want to I don't want to come off as a, as uh, an absolutist because. <laughs> Because I am one. <laughs> um, I think that AI is going to take us uh, very, very far from current practices, uh, where I think in the next five to 10 years, it will be considered almost unethical to let a recruiter, a human recruiter, uh, do most of the interviewing and selection. And the, I think it's going to go like, it's going to flip. Uh, we're going to go from uh, questioning whether the AI makes good decisions to not questioning it and, and questioning everything else. And, um, you know, that's, that's a bold prediction. Um, let's, we'll, we'll see how it gets. Well, you know, you're, you're building a, you're building a tech company. So <laughs> I'd expect, I'd expect nothing less. And uh, I mean, there is a bold prediction, but it's a prediction that, that, that is quite, is quite common. Um, do you think that's true for, would that be true for every type of recruiting or just certain types of recruiting? Well, initially, you know, in the space where I am, which is retail, service, healthcare, all that, hospitality, transportation, logistics, like when you start adding up all these industries that are considered high volume, you realize like that's most of the market. That's that's 60, 70, 80% of global workforce. So once you've done that, I mean, yes, the other 10 or 20%, uh, it may take much, much longer, but at that point... You know, I think that the debate is has moved on from um, will this happen to yeah what happens to the remaining twenty percent? Well, that may take longer, of course. Uh, what, what's I think what's gonna what's gonna happen in the next two years to to take a, a shorter time frame is that um, we will we will still 
call upon the humans to make that connection with with uh, the candidate. And I think candidates will mostly want to come to work to make human connections, and the recruiter will be that that first human connection. So that uh, so it'll the, the recruiter will play a critical role in in the candidate experience because it'll be that that human touch that oh this is who I'm going to be working with kind of moment. But when it comes to deciding which interview questions to ask and how to analyze the answers, it's obvious that human bias is getting in the way and that uh, there's there are better solutions in the works. Uh, so I think interviewing is is going to be disappearing and will be replaced by something else, which will be more like uh, like uh, welcoming and making people feel desired. So final final question for you, and it's another question about the the future. So, you know, we we've we've spoken about uh, Colombia, uh, Mexico, the, the the Philippines, those th- those economies, those those markets, and obviously AI is bringing this this speed to to hiring, which is uh, you know great for candidates and also great for employers, um, reducing what would seem to people looking in from another country a, a low cost per hire and making it even lower what impact do you think that will have on you know the the the, the economies and societies of 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 those countries um you know, recruiting can be done this efficiently and this effectively um i, I wish i could give you a quantified answer but uh I, it's more of a, a an intuition uh, the intuition is that Today, if a job is being advertised, an entry-level job, and you get 30, 40 candidates in, let's say, resume format or coming through an agency, you're quite happy with that ratio, you know, 30 to 1. Surely I'll find somebody good in there, and you hire the best available according to your human assessment. Uh, Tomorrow, you'll be able to consider two, three hundred, 300, maybe 3,000 candidates for the job, and you will have given every single one of them a chance to express what makes them excited, uh, give you a sense for their psychology, for why this job is exciting for them. And out of that experience, of course, uh, you're going to get a much better candidate on average uh, than, than using the old traditional method. There's no telling what this can do for an economy when you have somebody, you know, when you have a good hire versus a great hire. If you have a great hire, it can make a world of difference. You know, you might be hiring somebody to to be in, in a cashier position who will end up being a store manager, a regional manager, you know, a departmental director, and then a CEO of a company, and who will be driving that kind of productivity and, and drive across the entire company one day. So I think I think uh, hiring the best available talent at the base, you know, not just at the top of the pyramid, but at the base, is going to be an enormous driver for productivity and for wealth creation, uh, especially in the markets where there's a lot of human capital. And those are the markets I'm, I'm describing are the ones where the demographics are in favor of you know, creating huge economies. Max, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. My thanks to Max. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com, 
on that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.